Tak. Good evening, everybody. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Mark. Uh, this is the Fakeologist Show. It is Monday, November 14th, 2022. We do this show Sunday through Thursday around 8 to 8.30 p.m., depending on how fast we get the guests connected. And tonight we have this show. Yeah, you can hear Mark in the background chomping at the bit. And we worked hard to connect him to the Restream studio. That didn't work. So we're using the, the plain old telephone system, which probably isn't even a plain old telephone system anymore. But, uh, yeah, we do this show Sunday through Thursday, 8 to 8.30. I said that. We are broadcasting live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, DLive, and also... FacoTube. FacoTube.com is my platform. That's where I put my favorite videos. And that's where I stream live. Live, live, live. And in the FacoTube screen, you will see a FacoTube chat. And I usually bring that up on the screen. And I usually try and look at it, although last night I had too many guests to remember to look at it. So anytime you put a message in the chat, it turns, turns into a comment underneath the video. When the video renders, which usually renders quite quickly right after the show finishes. Tonight, we have Mark Tokarski of peaceofmindful.com. Him and I, he and I have similar interests and similar blogs. And uh, he's on the phone now, the old-fashioned phone. Hey, Mark. <laughs> Hi, Ab. How are you? Good, good. You are going to get your new microphone going on. And, well, uh, I'm looking at it, but uh, it's looking back at me with dead eyes, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's not easy to help over the phone and without seeing what you're doing, but uh, yeah. you had all the settings right, but it just doesn't seem... I took to... this microphone. I have a program that does uh, video, uh, mm -hmm. re not recording, but it takes my words and prints them out in front of me. Yeah. It's called... Uh, and uh, I used this, and compared to the old microphone I had, it was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Spelling words correctly and all that kind of stuff, and I could hear myself through the earplugs that I use that are plugged into it. So uh, it's really an advance, but I just have to figure out how to use it. Yeah. So apparently you had ankle surgery or foot surgery. How's that doing? Oh, it's okay. I hiked uh, 2.3 miles today. Oh, wow. Uh, just doing that. Uh, it hurts right now because I did that, but uh, I'm, I wear an ankle brace, and uh, mm -hmm. it's just slowly healing, and I want to work it just to, uh, you know, keep the motions. Uh, I have to be careful to stay on black ground and uh, mm -hmm. roll off a curb and stuff like that. But uh, uh, for two weeks, I was on a knee scooter, and then for three weeks after that, I was in a boot, and now... I, we saw the doctor last uh, Tuesday, and he said, uh, 
you won't see me again. You're done. And so it's just on its own to heal now. And he says that by uh, January 1st, I'll be uh, skiing again. Wow. Well, good for you. And you're in your 70s, I think. Yes, uh, cross-country skiing. Today I talked to Tom Quinn, who I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He does a radio show in Santa Cruz, California, and he's 73, and he's been talking about, uh, what he said is he's bought his own radio hour on an AM radio station. Really? And uh costs 300 bucks for an hour, and he's had the slot on Saturdays at 12 p.m. Pacific. And... um Sometimes things like that can take off. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I, I talked to him for a few hours today, and then I, I told him I was recording, and then I said, do you mind if I publish it? And he said, no, you can't, because he said, I didn't realize you are going to publish it. I said, okay. So I wouldn't have talked for two and a half hours. Had uh, <laughs> Well, but, I hope you had a nice conversation. Oh, he's a nice guy, a very friendly person. He is pushing the no virus part of the pandemic extremely hard that's what he talks about every single week apparently and uh so i'm going to be on his show maybe a week a week saturday and do i get to listen to it yeah well i can't i'm going to be on the road so i don't know how exactly to listen to his show it's on a radio station i don't know if it streams so you may have to wait till it's downloaded downloadable yeah there used to be that gal in uh, on the seashore in California that did all the Kennedy stuff. Oh yeah, can't think of her name. Uh, anyway, she probably was controlled opposition, mm. and she was putting all this uh, stuff out on the radio every Saturday on an AM station. And that's pretty cool. I just don't know if any. I said I don't know the list anymore. To AM radio. When I, even people in old cars, they have their headphones in their ears. So they're not listening to the radio. That's for damn sure. So I'm not. Oh, yeah. I just found out today or yesterday that uh, Conan O'Brien is uh, taking over Satellite 106. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to be monopolizing my time because I love that guy. Oh, okay. What's Satellite 106? Is that a radio? uh, Yeah, it is uh, XM 106. Oh, okay. I don't listen to simulated satellite radio, so I wouldn't know. But if you, <laughs> well, whatever the, whatever it is, yeah. he's going to be there, and uh, all right, that's I good. Think he's the funniest man alive. So, well, well, good. Well, that's good. I'm not really into comedians and all that, but I'm 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 just too serious listening to talk uh, to podcasts rather in in my area of expertise and interest, which of course is the people that have taken over the world, and. Uh, <laughs> You wanted to talk because you were upset with the latest midterm selections. You you <laughs> thought yeah. there was lots of fraud, and now I see you made a post on your blog saying, "Oh, you kicking yourself for falling for it yes. again?" Yes, sir. Lucy, many of us are that we thought, and the stock market was going right along with it that mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be a red. Red shift, and the market two days before the election was up three hundred, and then two days, one day before the election, up four hundred, and then it never materialized. And I thought the same old stuff going on again. 
they're not counting the votes. They're just playing us. Yeah, and they're still playing. Is it has it been resolved in Maricopa County? I had to look up Maricopa County to see where in Arizona it was, and it's basically Phoenix, the metropolitan Phoenix area. Yeah, I area. don't know. I haven't looked. I, I just uh, yeah, it is it all off. Yeah, is it still so, going on? I think they're still counting. I don't even know if it matters anymore, other than the governorship of Arizona. Does it matter with regards to the? Congress or the Senate? I don't think so. I think that's over. No, no. U.S. Uh, federal government and the state governments are technically different. No, I know that, but they've already but, decided. So what are they counting in Maricopa County that's holding everyone's breath? Just the governorship? No yeah, okay. It must be the governorship. And uh, mm-hmm. we have a strange past in that when our country was formed, after the revolution and the they put in a new constitution the states were running the show and the federal government had very little power so that uh you know if uh the bill of rights if the state didn't states didn't want to follow the bill of rights they didn't care uh, none of your business federal government and then we had the civil war and after the civil war we had a thing called the 14th amendment right and that was that was the coup d'etat where the federal government took over the states. So now you can elect a government governor in Arizona, but the, the feds still run the show. You know, much of that is just for show. Is Arizona's election is over and the clear winner is you. So who won? <laughs> I don't even know what they're talking about. No idea what that means. I get this... Um, I don't know if this is the county clerk of Maricopa. He's been all over the media saying, oh, it takes time to count a ballot. And this is just crazy, crazy talk. Yeah, one of my blog posts was a, um, I'll go back there, but it's an AP writer in Nevada talking about uh, um, Yeah, here it is. Which one is it? It is, it's called My Bad. Yeah, I'm At the very bottom, I reprinted this article called Ballot Hand Counting Begins Slowly in Nevada. And the point that this guy is trying to make is that counting ballots by hand is just tedious and shouldn't be done. But you've got to let the machines do it. Well, we still count the ballots by hand for our federal elections here in, (laughs) in Canada. And it's not, it takes a couple hours. It doesn't take that long. I watch them count. And they were whining. This guy, mm-hmm. No, this guy, he's uh, AP, Associated Press in Nevada. And he's saying, oh, no, they've only counted five or six ballots in several hours. That's BS. That's not true. <laughs> Which is nonsense. And then later on, he says, Nye County, where about 33,000 people are registered. Oh, there's your 33. Yeah. And I went, and it took all of five minutes to look up the number of registered voters in Nye County, and it was 40,419. So why did they use 33,000? And he's signaling that these recounts are going nowhere. Well, he's just signaling the whole thing is BS. That's how I see it. 
It's yes, just a exactly. BS. It's another BS story. It doesn't take that long. You don't. You, and there's actually no rush to count ballots. If if you wanted to be truthful, you could wait all week. But it doesn't take that long, and um, it's not that big of a deal. And if you want to recount them, then you just pull out the box again and make sure it didn't escape any chain of custody. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, we had a deal in Wisconsin uh, several years ago for the state Supreme Court judge, uh, and uh, it was a, it was a real paper chase trying to run down the ballots, and they disappeared and they reappeared. And the seals were broken, and uh, then a hand, a laptop computer turned up after the recount was done that turned the election over because the votes on the laptop computer had not been counted. It was just pure theater. So, do you still believe in voting as a uh, peace of mindful uh, person who doesn't believe a lot of the things you're told? What does voting mean? Um, you mostly no for president obviously not mm -hmm. uh senator high offices governor no uh but something happened in montana in 2020 that uh, caught my eye in that it was a democratic or democratic party run state and 2020 in november people were fed up with covid and masks and all that kind of stuff and they the vote count turned out the governor, the secretary of state, the attorney general, the head of schools, and both uh, both houses of uh, the state state legislature. The entire thing flipped over the, to the Republicans. And the first thing the governor did was get away with do away with mask requirements. And then after that, the legislature passed a law that said that no job in the state of Montana can be based on vaccination status. Oh, okay. Okay, so I looked at all of that and I thought, well, this these elections seem to have mattered, you know, because they actually had an effect on public policy. But I don't know any more than that because uh, these things are often, you know, you know, they're a little, they're kind of spun for us and we're given hope and then they take the hope away. Yeah, well, like I said, I don't think it matters at all who wins because it all comes down to money and who controls the money controls what gets done or not gets or, or does not get done. And, and Yeah. Yeah, the other thing I mentioned in my blog post was uh, 1992, Bill Clinton was the presidential candidate and uh, he wasn't very popular. The guy that was supposed to win was a guy by the name of Bob Dole. Right. And he um, had a great lead, and then a fellow by the name of Ross Perot stepped in. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and he said that, uh, you know, I'm running for president, I'm forming the American Independent Party, and things were going great. It was polling well and everything like that, and then he pulled out. Yeah. And then he got back in, and then he pulled out again. And it became obvious that his job was to pull votes away from uh, Bob Dole so that Clinton could be elected because Clinton was the third boy. Yeah, he's the Rhodes Scholar. Yeah. He's the Rhodes Scholar that's infiltrated the entire world and before yeah. the WEF was even really a going okay. concern. 
the thing I realized when all of that happened, and many years later, I wasn't that smart, was that they were actually county votes at that time, which is why they had to bring Perot in to pull votes away from Bob Dole. Mm-hmm. You know, these days they can just flip a switch on a computer and it's done. Yeah, I don't know why anyone believes that a computer is necessary, and there's just no way to validate it whatsoever at yeah. all. There's just no yeah. way. Yeah. The only thing you have is a paper trail, and if this AP reporter in Nevada is correct, uh, the paper trail is just too difficult. We do not account anymore. Yeah. So, so elections, vote counting is over. What's the but future? It has been for a long time. What's the future, do you figure? I don't know. They're going to hand us this stuff just like this election. Uh, massive turnout of Democrats, but they're all still sitting there. You know, you can't get rid of the bastards. You said Steve Kelly is... I just I like reading the comments. You got you got good commenters, of course. And yeah. If I do a podcast, they are the you and they are the first people I'm going to contact. Steve Kelly, especially. Yeah, he's a, he's good. He's he's saying the October surprise was the 90 day public health emergency extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the United States is still one of the only countries in the world where you cannot go in officially without a vaccine passport or a vaccine proof of vaccination. I wasn't aware of that. Oh, yeah. They extended that into April, so about 90 days, I guess, from now. Yeah. Or, so that's that's what happened. And uh, they don't enforce it at the border, I'm told, but it's still enough to be a hindrance for anyone who wants to make plans to cross the border. We were thinking about it. Uh, we're not leaving the country, but uh, we would sure like to uh, get back to, uh, well, I say, the Alps of Europe and uh, hike there again and my wife says yes I hear you we indeed should be going to Africa to <laughs> do a safari Ah, well so as an American Americans can come back into the United States just non-Americans can't come in with oh okay okay yeah you can go back in I, and I'm an American too but the rest of my family couldn't get in technically so yeah okay because our daughter is flying over from uh France for um, for Thanksgiving, and she's an American. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. And she's also a Canadian. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, she lives up here. She uh, went to school up there, and uh, she became a, uh, a an employee of the Red Cross as a Canadian citizen. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and uh, now she's a dual citizen. Oh, just by virtue of working. Preparer, I can tell you, that gets pretty complicated. Yeah, well, there's supposed to be a tax treaty, so everything we pay here counts with the IRS. You shouldn't have any. There's only a couple things that are incompatible, but if you wiggle things yeah. around, it's not a big deal. But I, that's the whole reason I got into truth, is because okay. of the IRS requiring all Americans, no matter where they live, no matter if they ever lived in the United States, to submit. And at the time, I had no idea really what the IRS was all about and whether it was uh, going to hinder my...
crossing over the border. Just had no idea, and that's how I got into nine eleven, etc. So, yeah. Well, it, it depends on who was the, the dominant. And uh, it happens too with the states down here that I have income from Utah, but I'm a Colorado resident. Oh yeah. So I pay tax to Utah, and then take a credit on my Colorado tax. Oh, so you have interstate tax agreements. <clears throat> yeah, that's true all over the country. Yeah. So that part they have ironed out. By the way, um, I'm going to close the YouTube stream right now. We haven't said anything really offensive to YouTube, but just in case, we're going to close out on YouTube. So if you want to watch the rest of this video or listen to it, you can go to fakeologist.com to download under the podcast section, FAK646, Mark Tokarski, or you can go to fakeotube.com and search FAK646 and get the rest of it. So goodbye, YouTube. And there we go. YouTube YouTube is gone. I just put the beginning of the show there in case anyone accidentally looks me up. Um, If you like YouTube and you like the notifications, you can go to fake11.com forward slash YouTube one. And subscribe to my YouTube channel where you just get previews of shows. But you can also sign up at fakeotube.com, which is my video platform. And you'll also get email alerts. You don't get notifications on your phone. I haven't worked that out yet, but you can get an email. And I think that's just as valuable. But if you want to subscribe over there, you can. And then I've got lots of videos and audios that I think are really good, including my live shows, of course. And the latest thing that I've been looking into is um, Agenda 21, SDGs, ESGs, global governance. And I was introduced to this topic more in depth with Whitney Webb and Ian, oh, what's his last name? Ian Davis, who's a Brit, and they do a really good job of just explaining the control structure. There will be no world government, per se, because they already have global governance, where they have they create policy, and then they diffuse the policy to all the world's governments, and they adopt the policy and now they've tied the policy to finances so if you don't implement the policy you don't get the money so it's a form of blackmail but um, it's happening it's a real thing and these guys really explain it really well Whitney Webb is a younger whippersnapper at unlimitedhangout.com I'm going to try and get Ian Davis to talk to me on the show about this I would like to hear that uh, it didn't escape anybody that when COVID came around, every government in the world complied. Mm-hmm. And not just reluctantly, but lockstep. Yeah. We were well, going along with this. Well, so it was a. We had a world government in place. Yeah, it's yeah, it's global governance. So it's our, it is in place. And uh, they call it United Nations Sustainable Governments. I notice a lot of. And at least in Canada, they're saying, oh, we, we got to get rid of the World Economic Forum. They're the ones running the world. Yeah, okay. They are advisors and they create technocratic policy. 
But the implementation is through the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs. So you really have to throw out the United Nations and the worldwide implementation of their Sustainable Development Goals. And guess what? They are in your local town. So forget about just the federal aspect. They are in your local town. If you type in the name of your town and sustainable, you will see that they are already implementing them on a local level. Yeah. You could, you, I bet you if climate you, change stuff and sustainability is so. You're in Denver, right? Overwhelming and massive. Yeah. I'm above Denver, but, uh, so if you type we in are. Denver sustainability, uh, you'll find it. It's called climate I'm action, sure sustainability and resiliency, st- sustainable development. So Denver.org. I guess that's your city government, the Mile High City, and here you go. Right. Sustainability. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. This uh, this climate change stuff is so much bigger than just you know climate. Nobody cares about that. It's uh, well, they explain how climate is just the is just the cover to get in the door. Yeah. Because people believe in something to do with taking care of the earth, Mother Earth. We don't want to wreck it. So that's where the climate angle comes in. But it's the uh, it's this new idea called stakeholder capitalism. And then you have to look up the word stakeholder. What's a stakeholder? And then it turns out the stakeholders are um, the NGOs, the the NGOs, the um, corporations, they're the main stakeholders, and the people are the third wheel, the public. They're the third wheel. Yeah, and the public can never unify behind anybody or anything because mm-hmm. they're scattered, they're busy, they're doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're the ones that are really going to just watch what's going on. That's, that's what... And your your local government will implement it, but they are not making the policy. The policy comes yeah. from the stakeholders, which are mainly the corporations, and the global governance, not the world government, the global governance. They're the ones that set policy that you will that will be implemented at a local level. So, and the main thing is they're using the uh, the emer- the health emergency, the fake health emergency, to ram all this stuff through. So it's very well planned out. So you can see green everywhere, sustainable everywhere. And this is just in Denver. I'm sure if you typed in, where's a small town? Boise, sustainability. Try Bozeman, Montana. Okay. Bozeman, sustainability. Sustainability, city of Bozeman. Here we go. Yep. So you have every city has a sustainability office. So there you go. Amazing. And they have a climate plan. Yeah. And there has never been a piece of science regarding climate making a prediction that has ever come true. Uh, it's it's just completely bogus from top to bottom. There is no science behind it. But every single talking head is 100% behind it. 
So it's just a psyop of immense proportions. Yeah. And they all look the same. Climate vision, tools, climate plan, just goes on and on and on. So it doesn't matter what you type in. This is, it's already implemented. It goes way back to Bozeman's has the earliest one is 2008, but it goes way back to the Paris Climate Accord, I think in 1992. Yeah. Yeah, it's been insidious and ongoing and, uh, meant to undermine all of us and, uh, you know, even our individuality in that uh, they're going to be doing social credit scores on us and stuff like that and blocking our ability to use our own resources to live our own lives if we don't go along. Well, you will. That, that is what's happening. It's all going to be implemented with the CBDC and within the digital ID is going to be tied to the CBDC, which will have your social credit your carbon credits, all your credits, and they all have to be at the right level if you want to interact with the beast. And if any of your numbers go down or out of line, then you're going to have to do something about it Another in order to function. So unless you decide to work outside the system, which will be increasingly difficult. Yeah, I imagine uh, the uh, vaccine regime has so far escaped me. I've not been vaccinated. I have no plans on being vaccinated and interesting within my family. Uh, they've all been vaccinated and they've all gotten COVID again and I'm the only one that never got it. <laughs> well, do you, does it. Well, you can't. I don't like to play you can't into... You something that doesn't exist. But yeah, I don't like to play into their, their word games, but yeah. Yeah. You haven't been, yeah, that, you haven't been ill or had a cold or the flu or you haven't felt under the weather enough to be sidelined. No, no, I don't think I've ever had the flu, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had uh, head colds, mm-hmm. stuff like that over the years. But uh, Well, there is no real definition of the flu. It's just when you're really feeling bad, then you're sort of immobilized. There, There is yeah. no test for the flu. It's just a, it's just a, a condition that when you go to the doctor, they say, well, we can't doing just go home drink lots of water chicken soup and rest and then you should well, be better year they come out with a flu vaccine right and interesting colorado has emailed me or texted me twice now saying you are due for a flu shot and yeah. i've never interacted with them well, how, how do they know so what database are they getting your name and number from i have no idea does your doc uh, do you have a doctor does he have a have you registered no. No. Uh, some years back, I was doing annual physicals because I still believed in the medical system. Right. And this has to be seven, eight years ago. And I had two doctors, a PA, a physician's assistant, and a doctor in front of me. And for some reason, he was on his knees, uh, unrelated. He wasn't bowing or anything like that. He was just on his knees. And he was begging me, get vaccines for um you know, your lungs and all that kind of stuff. And the physician's assistant was saying the same thing, you know, that these are life-saving things. And I had to sit there in front of the two of them and say, no, no, I'm not going to do this. And they thought they had just lost the patient. <laughs> you know, here I am all these years later, and I'm fine. 
Well, it was more like you were affecting their uh, their clip level where they have to have a certain percent of the office signed up. Otherwise, they probably lose their bonus. That's probably the it main. Could well be. It could well be. There are incentives where if they don't, so if they have to have a certain. Around 2010 yeah. or 2011, I did take a flu shot, not a flu shot, but a pneumonia shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ran it through the system. And uh, at that time, I was supposed to be on Bush's uh, drug plan, and I wasn't. And they sent me a $200 bill for it, and I refused to pay it. And uh, for some reason, I never did pay it, but. Uh, you know, even then, 2010, 2011, I still thought that uh, vaccinations were meaningful. It had real effects on people other than, you know, damaging, damaging them. So I'm not the brightest, sharpest knife in the drawer. All right. So what else have you been writing about on peaceofmindful.com? I see okay. something about Pelosi. Miles did a yeah, pretty good breakdown of that. Yeah, Miles Mathis did a good job on Paul Pelosi, uh, and I just added something. I didn't want to, you know, get on his wagon or anything like that. But what I noticed was that the L.A. Times, which was reporting on the matter, was really vague about whether or not the Pelosi family was covered by. The uh, Capitol Police. Capitol, Capitol Police, yeah. Yeah, there's no vagary about covered. that. That's baloney. Yeah. yeah, they are covered in full. And then they said that uh, the reason this guy had gotten in was that he, he broke a window on the patio in the back of the house. <laughs> I thought, well, you know, the Capitol Police thought about the front of the house, but they never thought about the back. So the guy easily got in, so it was so easily seen to be a PSYOP. And then he was released uh, the day before the election to go home, which meant that the PSYOP was over. And the Capitol Police has a budget of $602 million. Unbelievable. $602.5 million. Yeah, and the... Speaker of the House and her family, extended family, is covered. Uh, and the President Pro Tem of the Senate, who's next in line, is covered. The President, well, that I guess that's as far as the extended coverage goes in terms of uh, federal officials, because the Secret Service doesn't cover them, but they are covered in full. Nobody could have gotten past the security that night to get to Paul Pelosi. Right. Yeah, so the whole thing was that. Um, have you ever read a book, Invisible Rainbow? I've heard of it. Is that about, are we talking vaccines now? No, no, it's a history of electricity and life by Arthur Furstenberg. Oh, right. That's when they were, and when did that come out? Was that to try and explain the illness around World War One and the Spanish flu? No. Okay. No, although that itself is something else that has never been studied for right. serious. Let's see my glasses work. Uh, 2017. Yeah, I'm losing my eyes now. I have to go in for cataract surgery on both eyes in January. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> that 
Then I'm done with surgeries. With okay. cataract surgery, so I'm a piece of cake. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he said, with completion of the electric grid in the eastern United States um, in the late 1800s, was the first time we had an annual flu season. Okay. And then we had annual flu seasons in the 1950s with, um, trying to think, maybe the radar array in Canada that uh, supposedly protected us against the USSR. And then again, when they put satellites in space for telecommunications in the uh, late 1960s, we had the Asian flu or something like that. He said all of these events are electrical and that the flu is an electrical disease. Yeah, I don't believe, I don't buy that. Do you? Uh, yes, I do. Oh, okay. I do because there's no other explanation for it. Uh, it makes no sense. Hmm. We all decide to detox at the same time and we resonate with one another. We see some people doing it and we feel less and everything and... Uh, There's an interesting explanation. Uh, it's a book I know you know about called uh, uh, Why We Get Sick. And, uh, oh, do they go into that as well? Not the, no, not the flu, but they talk about... <coughs> excuse me. This was uh, Dr. Cowan, Tom Cowan, and his... Right, I like Tom. I like Cowan. Tom. Yeah. And they wrote about uh, uh, chicken pox. And they think it's just a transition disease that kids get. Yeah, sometimes, not always. Yeah, as their bodies are, yeah. you know, going through phases and growing yeah. out of uh, childhood into adolescence. Yes, I like that. Yeah, so that uh, the idea that uh, it, it's caused by a virus and that the virus hangs with you until your adulthood, and then you can get, uh, what do they call that, uh, Oh, never think of names when I'm on the phone, but uh, what do they call the disease that you get little itchy parts on your skin and all that kind of stuff as an adult? Shingles. Yeah, shingles. Yeah. They say that uh, chicken pox and shingles are the very same thing. Yeah. And I just, I don't believe that for a second. And Cowan doesn't either. No, no, I know they said that before. Yeah, if um, anyone wants to download my list of vaccine books, and I put this under that directly, if you go to fake11.com forward slash vax, is it V-A-X? Let me see now. Fake11.com forward slash V-A-X. I think it's V-A-X-X-E-D. No, it's it's um, vax. Fake11.com forward slash vax. You will get a directory that you can synchronize with... Um, with the cloud, well, my cloud, personal cloud, through a program called Resilience Sync. So there you go. Okay. All I all the books are all the PDFs are in that directory. So feel free to go to fake11.com forward slash vax, and I have the book that uh, Mark was talking about up here. Okay, and that book is. Uh the contagion myth, I think. 
Well, I also have the contagion myth in there with Tom Cowan. And yes, you can, Tom Cowan and Sally Morrell. You can and, go directly uh, to fake11.com forward slash Charlie Mike, and that'll bring that book up as well. Okay. So I've got then, that. The Invisible Rainbow by Furstenberg has some significant evidence in there of uh, the growth of uh, trees and how they're affected by uh, radiation and uh, microwaves and 5G and all that kind of stuff. Not 5G because it didn't exist at that time. So it does affect plants, and some people are very sensitive to it. I think Furstenberg himself is. And uh, others are uh, less sensitive, and I don't think I'm sensitive to it at all because I never get sick. Well, you're an active person. You probably eat well, and um, you don't go to the doctor, and you don't take injections. So I think you. No, I don't. I think you're a long way ahead of most people. The other thing is that we drink uh, well water. And we're at 8,000 feet, so I don't think there's any agricultural runoff in our well water. Mm-hmm. So 8,000 feet. Yes, yeah. you're you're higher than the mile high my city, mile high city by yeah. a couple thousand feet. Yeah, we look down on them, so to speak. Wow. There's um when we first moved in here in 2010, uh, we weren't allowed to come here at night, and so we weren't going to see the place until we actually moved in in October of that year, and we got here and we looked out the window and the city of Denver was laid out before us down below in lights. Just amazing. We had no idea. The street that drives by our house is called City View, and now we know why. Right. Well, I had another <laughs> guest on here named Shannon Rowan, and she was convinced that she is affected by electromagnetic waves, RF waves. And so she lives in Northern California in the bush. And um, she says she's perfectly fine there. Of course, she said she knew someone on 9-11 in the tower. So I'm not too sure. Well. Not too sure how I. degree of sensitivity, it, it, you could put that, I guess, in a bell curve and find that some people on the outer extremes are going to be very affected by it. And most of us here in the middle are not. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think I am. Yeah. I live around all kinds of radiation, electromagnetic radiation. Yeah, I don't think it's bothering me. And uh, I don't think it's bothering anybody else I know. But I do know that uh, relatives of mine get very sick on a regular basis. They come down with colds and flu and everything, and then they run off and get a COVID test, find out they got COVID. So I don't know what's going on there, but they are down at a much lower elevation than us, and uh, they don't eat organic food like we do. Not that I don't. That makes a difference. But I I just kind of think that our lifestyle is, plus our degree of activity physically, is keeping us going. Yeah, well, I've got um, lots of electricity in my house. I got solar panels on my roof, and uh, it hasn't affected me at all. So um, I th- not, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I don't see much evidence for it. So yeah, you're pretty healthy. I'm surprised you have solar panels in Toronto. Well, you can have them anywhere, anywhere. This I know, but 
do they ever pay for themselves? Still over about. Okay. Oh, I mean, you're five, okay, so yeah. Here in Colorado, they they'll give them to you. They're so subsidized and everything like that. But there's yeah. this is actual payout. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're too far north. Well, do you have if you have a southern roof? There's sun all year long that'll hit most of them. Really, well, we don't have sunshine for three months out of the year. So, well, we don't either. But if the if the sun does come out and you're facing south, you'll catch, you'll make something. But yeah, I yeah. obviously December is the darkest month here. Yeah, here too. Yeah, but that was the problem with our internet too, in that uh, we could not get a signal. Uh, through all the trees and all that kind of stuff, and I don't know whether it's balloons or whatever up there, mm-hmm. but uh, we were relying on CenturyLink, which is the old phone company, yeah. you know, Bell Telephone, and their equipment is antiquated and old and everything like that, and they deliver their signal through the wire, the phone wire, right? and uh, there's a long line of us, and we are at the very end. So, buddy, with uh, all of the new inter- uses for Internet, like Alexa and all that kind of stuff, people are using more and more, and by the time it got to us, our Internet was just gone. Right. So there's only so a we, phone line running to your neighborhood, not a cable line? No, no cable. Uh, we're too high up. The cables never came out here. Wow. Well, yeah, so... Another reason so, to drive you into a smart city if you want to use fast internet. Drive us into what city? A smart city. Oh, a highly connected well, city. The only alternative for us right now, and I don't know how real it is, is uh, Elon Musk and the, this thing called uh, Smart Link. Well. But there's a waiting line here. <laughs> and the service that could actually get us the signal was called Viasat. And, uh, you know, they're kind of a bait-and-switch operation where they but then they email you and tell you, you've used up your signal, you have to pay more for it now. Otherwise, we're going to low-grade you, and that's what they've done to us just today. Oh, well, so you're splitting a lot of bandwidth. That's uh, probably yeah. just coming from a local transmitter. Yeah, there's been lots of. Yeah, they just can't deliver a product, and uh, their business people behind the scenes are, uh, you know, calculating ways to squeeze us as much as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. So I just refuse. You know, we get a bad signal. We get a bad signal. There's a little spiral in the middle of the screen when their signal goes out, and I think that ought to go. <laughs> Yeah, well, so you're going to be doing a podcast. So you bought a new mic, so you're going to be doing a podcast. Yeah. That's your future plan. And are you going to be talking about what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to be writing about on the blog. <laughs> My blog post today just based on a weekend experience where we were out of gas, and I drove into a gas station with one mile left on our Toyota, and uh, filled it up, and it took 19 gallons. And I always wondered, how much reserve do you really have when they say you're out of gas? Mm. And I went to the specs, and it says we have a 21-gallon tank. Right. So 
we have maybe two gallons. Who knows? Because you got to have some air in there. But well, know, the two gallons is below the pump. They can't pump off the bottom of a tank because otherwise yeah. all the crap and rust would uh, plug the the lines. So there's always so gas on the bottom. Was almost out of gas. Probably. Well, the best way to find out is to run out of gas. <laughs> That's. <laughs> but then you that need was to. The episode. Yeah. But then you need to have a spare tank where you can fill up yeah. enough to go to a gas station. You could yeah, do it. It'd be worth finding out. I'd like to know how much security we have there. But there was an episode of Seinfeld where Kramer and were looking at a car and they were low on gas and they decided they were going to run it until they ran out of gas, no matter how much the uh, needle said on their thing because it was the 90s. And the closing scene was that they were on an off-ramp from one of the highways and they were holding hands to the and Louise thing. <laughs> yeah, I was never in a Seinfeld, but, um, yeah, but you know, especially in the winter, you never leave your tank half because then condensation can enter into the tank and that's yeah. not good. Then the water can freeze into your inner lines and then block the gas from going through. Yeah, what do they call that? Vapor lock? No, it's just water vapor that turns to ice and then it freezes in the lines. That's well, just... I trucks that out there for uh, however long I was uh, on the knee scooter and then in the boot, I just couldn't drive anywhere. Right. And then uh, I went out to sleep. Well, yeah, that's, the gas doesn't go bad. It takes about six months for the gas to start breaking down into its constituent components, and then it again. Yeah, and, we've had that experience with us. Or, yeah. Uh, if I forget to uh, drain it, drain it and put the uh, preservative in it. Uh, it just ruins the carburetor. Yeah, well, it's just water. It could rust yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, they say it's the uh, uh, ethanol. Well, yeah, that breaks down the water faster for sure. That's yeah. why in small engines, here's another tip, you only put non-ethanol gas in those, which is usually yeah. premium gas. That's an easy one. Premium gas, or they make a product. They, it's sitting down on the shelf in the garage. It's pink. In a pink bottle, and uh, yeah. put about an ounce of that in with the gasoline, and that will extend the life of the gasoline. Yeah, but if it's got a lot of ethanol in it, it just breaks down too fast. I don't even know if that would save it. But. Yeah. Well, I don't know. My snowplow, uh, my snow thrower right now is seizing like crazy, so I don't know if I've uh, messed it up with ethanol. Yeah, you should not the, put that in. Yeah, I put regular gasoline in during winter, but in the spring I take all of that out and burn it off, and then I put in uh, white gasoline and get it in the gray can at the auto parts store that has no ethanol in it. Mm-hmm. And two years ago I forgot to do that, and carburetor was just Right. So what else exciting have you been following uh on the internet's podcast wise or story wise, you still reading all Miles Mathis's work? Um, <laughs> that's funny. I called the piece today on, uh, uh, on, uh, 
the uh, gas tank problem, you know, running out of gas and all that. I called it miles to go, miles to empty. And uh said, Anthony Fauci is surely behind this. <laughs> One of the uh, commenters said, uh, he saw the title and I thought I was writing about Miles Mathis. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I wasn't. <laughs> it was the last thing that crossed my mind. Um, he's doing a lot of guest stuff these days, which a lot of it is pretty good. Uh, oh, he called it the most rigged election ever. This one I have not yeah, read. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I didn't read that one. Yeah, well, you're Canadian, so it doesn't matter. But uh, Oh, a lot of Canadians, that. that's all we pay attention to is American politics, so believe me. <laughs> oh, it could be so boring. Uh, I ran for office one time as a Democrat, and I got so turned off by uh, Democrats. But it says, generally speaking, do you consider yourself a Democrat? Democrat, Republican, or don't you consider yourself either? And this is 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, 43% then considered themselves, well, this is now, 43% considered themselves Democrats, 49% considered themselves Republicans, and 7% thought they were independent. And with those kind of numbers, considering that maybe 10 years ago, only 33% of the voters thought themselves as Republicans, there's been a huge swing from Democrat to Republican, and it was not reflected in our election at all. Yeah, I just, uh, I think they want people to give up on the whole idea of elections. Just- well, you remember uh, your Blue Moon who wrote JFK TV? Yeah, how's he been? I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but uh, he wrote in JFK TV that the 1960 election was obviously stolen. You know, it was, and it took a lot of work to steal it. Have dead people vote and stuff ballot boxes and that kind of thing, but they managed to get it done. Well, they do a lot of that low-tech things, too. Did you watch the 2,000 Mules thing? Did that make any impression on you? I did not watch it. Just the rampant carrying of ballots and stuffing these remote ballot boxes, even under security cameras. You just have to look at that for a little bit and just wonder, just why bother? Well, I like to say that the first photograph was taken in 1827 and the second one was fake. (laughs) I think that our elections have always been fake or Mm -hmm. manipulated to a large degree. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to look at this Miles Mathis uh, piece as well. So he thinks the whole thing was... He went after the Menendez brothers, and that's really old, old soup. That is old. What's your take on Fetterman? 
the guy that had the stroke. Yeah. Do you believe he had a stroke? Because I don't think so. I have so. no idea. But he was propped up, and he was functionally unable to hold an office, run for an office, and all that kind of stuff. And yet, supposedly, the Democrats turned out a mess to vote for him. So, you know, that's kind of a slap in the face, just rubbing our face in it. You think, uh, like Miles, they're going to drive America towards a civil war? He talks like that. I don't see it. I don't think that uh, the American population is capable of uh, seeing beyond football. No. He says the morale of the armies in tatters. Wow. Yeah, he added that thing at the end, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of an ego thing that he does. That uh, He gives himself a whole lot of credit for things that he should not be taking credit for. But this alone, he's, you know, he doesn't have a partner or anything in his life like that. So I just figure, you know, he needs that to uh, keep himself going. Mm-hmm. Well, I like his writing. Well, I do too. It's a good record. And he's right. And he's right on top of a lot of current stuff as well. Yeah. And I'm going to be publishing in the not too distant future a 45 page story by a fellow by the name of Dave Klausler. Okay. He's, I published his stuff before and I've been reading this. I'm about halfway through it and it flows. It's crisp. It's writing, it's apocalyptic. I think it has some Belikovsky mixed in with it. And he's just doing a great job. I can't wait to publish it. It's a long, long read. It's almost like a a book at 45 pages on WordPress. Or not on WordPress, but Word. And yet I've been reading it and it flows so easily that uh, I just can't wait to publish it. And what's it about? It is about end times. And uh, in it, the sun is too high in the sky. We're having earthquakes. Uh, Law enforcement is shutting down exits on the interstate. He's trying to make his way from uh, the Midwest to the Rocky Mountains. And he wants to get up high because he knows there's going to be floods that will take out, wipe out most of humanity. And He's met a girl on the way. He's left his wife. They parted amicably, but they were going different directions. And right at the beginning, he meets this girl he calls Jen, and they are uh, just fighting to get from one place to another to another. And it's just one. It's just like, a, you know, um, what was that movie about uh, zombies? Yeah, Zombieland with <laughs> that movie where they just have one crisis after another after another. That is the nature of his writing here. I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. Wow. Okay. So, when will that be out? Yeah, he, yeah, he calls it The Long and Windy Road, I think, but uh, uh, I, I look forward to publishing it. And uh, there's only going to be maybe a dozen people on the blog that are going to read 45 pages of prose, but uh, they will be well blessed if they do. Where did you find this guy? He turned up. You know, in the comments one time. Oh, nice. And we got to know each other, and he wrote another story, 
which had his character in the uh, Beartooth Mountains of Montana, uh, killing a bear and rescuing rescuing a young girl, dragging her out, putting her on a helicopter, and uh, you know saving her life. And she is very grateful to him, and he doesn't take advantage of the situation. They just become friends. So, yeah, just a very rewarding kind of reading. And so I like that. And then he's published some other pieces, but the, that first piece just caught my attention because it was so, so well written. Uh, he's got a natural gift along those lines, and I'm hoping to see him uh, do some publishing where he actually gets paid money. Well, sounds good. Excellent. Yeah, his name is Clouser. K L A U L S E R. And he's a regular commenter on Peace of Mindful. Uh, infrequent, but uh, he's been around for maybe a year or so now. And okay. you know, when you find these diamonds in the rough, you just want to promote them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he is a diamond in the rough. He came here. Uh, he and his wife were traveling out west and everything like that and got in touch with us, and we met him at a restaurant nearby. Oh, nice. And just have a really, really nice time with him. You know, his wife lost her job because she refused to vaccinate. Right. And so I told her, I pat her on shoulder, 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 and said, you know, you have moral courage. It's a rare commodity for people. And the thing about moral courage is that it doesn't pay off. You know, you get harmed by it. And she did. She lost her job, but she was happy having a new job doing something else. Oh, good. Well, it worked out. Yeah. And finally, uh, before we go, do you have any new stories of vaccine injury or death? Are you... Where's I subscribe it? to uh, VAERS. Mm-hmm. Uh, Open VAERS, it's called. O-P-E-N, VAERS. Okay. And they download information from H-A- Health and Human Services, HHS. And the last I saw, there were 31,000 vaccine deaths in the United States. And because theirs is a voluntary system, they're, th- they're thinking that between 1% and 10% of actual deaths are being reported. Yeah, it says 1% here. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so you can do your own extrapolation there. It's pretty monstrous. So a guy stood up in British Parliament um I subscribe to a fellow by the name of Paul Homewood, who runs a book called, uh, uh, now I have to go find it, but uh, anyway, this British guy got up before Parliament and was saying that people are dying of the vaccines and we need to have an investigation. And after he did that, he was removed from Parliament for a week, they said for unrelated reasons. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I haven't looked at this open vares in a while, in a long time. Yeah, if ever. So, yeah, thirty-one, thirty-two thousand COVID vaccine reported deaths, out of a total yeah. of forty-two thousand total reported deaths since nineteen ninety. Yeah, it's crazy. The Homewood site 
is called not a people not a lot of people know that and the that's the name of the website that's what he calls it his name is Paul Homewood he's British not a lot of people know that no that yeah and uh, he does one or two or three things every day I'm my email is just loaded with this stuff, and it's all good. And then the other one is Open Bears, O-P-E-N. Yeah, I've got that. E-A-E-R-S, okay. Yeah, I got that one. Okay. I'll add uh, not a lot of people know that. That's good. I'm glad you're giving me some stuff to look up. Yeah. The other one I ran across was called the You. Uh, he calls himself the Manhattan Contrarian. The Manhattan Contrarian? Yeah, he does some good stuff. He's a guy like me in his 70s and uh, just churning stuff out on a regular basis. Well, it looks like I already had not a lot of people know that. Uh, I've already subscribed to that, but I must have lost track of that. Maybe you gave it to me last time. Could well be. Could well be. I, I enjoy his work. I think he even wrote a post based on him. Yeah, it's called Interview with an Auto Automaton. All right. Where a climate researcher is being interviewed by her. They generally don't allow themselves to be interviewed because they look so badly. And his name was Luke Murphy, and he was interviewed by... Um, Uh, Julia Hartley Brewer, and he kept saying things uh, like uh, the IPCC uh, climate reports are, you know, valid and that they are accurate history and they're going to accurately report the future, and she would just break up laughing at him and say, you can't possibly say what happened, everything, and he had to keep a straight face throughout and pretend that uh, he was really saying things that had any truth. So I enjoyed that a lot when brought that to me. So scroll down on Peace of Mind, you'll find Interview with an Automaton. Yeah, I saw that one, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I enjoy that kind of uh, ridicule. <laughs> and what was the other one? Um, yeah, here it is here. Uh, is this Jim Brewer? Yeah. No. Energy and climate team at the Institute for Public Policy Research, a left wing think tank. Oh, Julia Hartley Brewer. Yeah, she's Thank British. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Rishi Sunak wasn't going to attend uh, COP27. Now he might attend. Does it matter whether he goes or not? Should he go? I think it does matter if he goes. I think it's for three, three reasons. And what's the other one? The Manhattan what? Well, the Manhattan Contrarian. Is he in your blog role? Yeah. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, you got yeah, market. I just ran across him. Sometimes these people don't come through, but uh, this guy's pretty good on climate change. Yeah, it's just it's just a way in with uh, to bring in the global governance. That's all it is. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to add these to my extremely huge blog roll and see if I can even <laughs> possibly. 
remember to look at them? This is the hard part. Well, you write about so much stuff and bring so much to our attention. Yeah, I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place. Yeah. Today I had to go to Outlook, which is where I store my peace of mind in emails. Mm -hmm. And it was getting loaded up, and I had to delete 2,500 emails. Well, they don't mean anything. You know, once they've once they've been viewed, all of the emails from you are on your site. Yeah, yeah. You just it's it's just a way to alert your. I I don't I I get all the Substacks via email as well, and mm-hmm. just um, filter those into a folder, and I don't look at them either. Not yeah, so not I much. Have this, I have this massive uh, database of emails. Most of them are just notifications that I got a comment, and the comments on the blog, so I don't need the notification. But it must have taken me forty five minutes to delete twenty five hundred of them. Yeah. Doesn't take that long for me. If you uh, use a proper email program, you just highlight them all and click delete, and they're gone. So I just, I just turned, I just uh, took my Substack email pile from three thousand to seven hundred in one second. So it's not that hard. If only I could do that, you know. Uh-huh. Outlook and our internet system here in the house right now is pretty weak, but. If- it took a while just to get maybe 500 of them up on the screen so I could push delete. Mm-hmm. But I had to do them one by one by one by one by one. <laughs> it was a lot of work. No, no. Better ways to do it. You can use Outlook on, online through the web interface, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, see, now you're talking about things I don't understand. No, I know. Well, where, I don't know where you get your email from, what, what, what server you use. Um, I was using the Outlook server. That's Microsoft. Right. But where's your email? Where is it stored? Or what, what service do you No, but what service do you use? Outlook's just a... So you actually use... You have an Outlook address? It's something yes, at Outlook.com? Oh, okay. Yeah. So a regular house email comes to iPage, and I can't flood that with Outlook, or so I had to use Outlook. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you should look into something non-Microsoft, like ProtonMail... Or uh, Tutanova. Tutanova. Tutanova, yeah. Um, the Australian guy who was uh, dropped out of sight now was going to set me up with the blog-specific email address, and uh, right. he's gone now, so... Well, he might come back. I hope so. <laughs> he might come back. I don't have time to, to help anyone else but myself, yeah. and even that, uh, I can't really keep up with, with my own workload because I, I start too many projects so yeah. yeah Tutanova might be another way to do it so that way you're doing everything online it's in the cloud so you don't have to download it to your end if you have a slow internet connection it might be a solution for you yeah could be what I need is a 14 year old sitting beside me mm-hmm. taking well, maybe. fingers and telling me what to do yeah you know, just like getting this microphone to work tonight. Yeah, I can't really help you over the uh, the wires there. I have to see what's happening and look at your settings. And hopefully you'll get that going. So next time we connect, we'll uh, uh, get that going. So, yeah, make sure you hook yeah, it up. I don't think I want to do this again unless I have that mic running. Cause well, you sound fine. Well, the sound on the mic is so smooth. No, of so course weird. it is. But your phone line, which is sort of a landline situation, is pretty good. So, yeah, we just had that reinstated. 
-hmm. we were supposed to be taking our landline uh, from Biosaf, and there was a one-second delay. That's so that's amazing. The bath and get back on CenturyLink for phone service. So it's sort of bouncing up to uh, a transmitter, and that time it takes just causes that one second yeah. delay. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes the conversation impossible. And the yeah. same thing on our iPhones. Uh, we had to get off, you know, where it will revert to uh, house internet. Yeah. When you're in range. And, yeah. Uh, we were getting a half-second delay, and it was just impossible, so we had to go to straight uh, cellular. Yeah, you can have to use your house internet for your phone calls through the iPhone or Android. Yeah, we did turn it off, and for the, for the same reason, we can now have phone calls on our cell phones. Right, okay. Yeah, it's easy to do. It's just a setting. Actually, I didn't even know that setting was there on my phone, because... I have pretty good uh, mobile mobile phone service where I am, but yeah, you can run your voice calls through your internet Wi-Fi connection. So that's pretty. Anyhow, I have got some seventy-two-year-old matters I've got to resolve yep. here. All right. So good talking. Good talking to you, Mark. And uh, everyone, go to peaceofmindful.com. And next time we talk, you'll hopefully be on a good mic. I hope I am interviewing you. All right. I'll talk. Okay. Good night. All right. All the best. Mark Tokarski of peaceofmindful.com. Thanks for listening. Have a good mic, but his phone connection was pretty good. And Mark is a regular here. And um, go to his blog, peaceofmindful.com. He's got lots of interesting links. Tomorrow, who do we have? Let's see if I've got my live page up here. I thought I loaded this. Let's take a peek here. Here it is. Uncle Vigilante is on the calendar for next next day, tomorrow. Let's see if he's ready and back and in fighting for us. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about psyops. We'll talk about current events, and we'll talk about cryptocurrency as well. Obviously, crypto. Had a big week with the collapse of FTX, which I think was a staged event. That was a setup for sure. And it's all to bring in regulation and control of cryptocurrency. I'm, I'm sure of that. So I'm sure Uncle Vigilante will have a lot of that. I've got one audio chat from last night. I got a render. I forgot to render it this morning. I'm going to render it now. So... As well as this show, we have the Fakeologist audio chats. If you want to find them, just go to the main page and click on podcasts and then click on audio chats and you will find the different voices. Sometimes they even talk about Fakeologist's kind of material. Not always. All right. Don't forget, this is a user-supported value-for-value system. If you got value from this podcast or other on my FacoTube site, you can donate. You can donate one time or you can donate monthly. Thanks to all these guys. The monthly donors, Sal, Flex, T, Daniel, John R. All you guys appreciate it. And your one-time donations, thank you so much. And your name will be listed. If you don't want your name listed, I will put the word anonymous. Well, thank you so much for all you guys for donating. 
and keeping this thing going, especially FacoTube. FacoTube uses a lot of bandwidth, but I think it's worth it. And I get lots of views. So make sure you go to FacoTube.com. Make sure you go to the forums. You take advantage of all these different platforms on the Fakeologist Network. Lots of good stuff. Forums are hopping. Lots and lots of posts on here. And uh, even I can't even keep up. All right. Thank you. And we'll talk to you later.